Hello, and welcome to 8,000 Promises, a podcast dedicated to conversations about living into God's promises for your life, even when the story of your past might make those promises hard to trust. I'm your host, A.D. Tilford. Together, let's explore how to step into, embrace, and believe God's promises for our lives. My guest today is my friend and fellow podcaster, Heather O'Brien. Heather is a wife and mother, biker and poet, educator, and strong believer in the American ideal. Her current passion is bringing people of different beliefs and philosophies together to engage in discourse and dialogue. Heather's podcast is called Us or Bust and can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Earlier this year, Heather and I found ourselves reveling in the newness of trying out podcasting. At some point, we agreed, wouldn't it be fun to sit down for one conversation to be used for two podcasts? You can listen to her episode, Unboxable, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, with some added segments that I love, like her segment on literature that emboldens the conversation. I knew going into this interview that Heather is not a Christian. In fact, one of our most interesting conversations before the podcast gets revisited in more depth here, in which she told me that though she's not a Christian, she credits Christianity with saving her life. We also talk about feminism and judgment and the Christian call to love. And by the way, all of this conversation happened just after an early summer mountain bike ride in which Heather schooled me both up and down a mountain. What a fun day. If you're ready to think about how to have authentic conversations with people who might not think exactly like you do, this episode is for you. Whether you're a mom, an educator, a pastor, a person wrestling with faith, or the person ready to hear what it sounds like when a Christian and non-Christian talk about Jesus with no agenda, but love and developing understanding of one another's perspective, get ready to think. Dare to be okay with the possibility of discomfort. You can embrace a different perspective during this episode of 8,000 Promises. Thanks for being here. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. Oh, my gosh. I'm here with my buddy, 80, and we just rode an awesome mountain biking trail in, uh, in Mack, Colorado. Oh, my gosh. And it was so good. We're sitting here in the parking lot, and so there will probably be random cars pulling up and bros and sisters <laughs> unloading their mountain bikes and taking off into the wild so but the car is kind of a nice sound system yeah i'm excited to yeah should i roll up this window actually yeah i, I rolled this one up because i figured they'd all be parking on this side so okay we'll be good cool so we so you have a podcast and i have a podcast yeah. and we thought why not combine podcasts and do an episode together let's have a podcast yeah. jam yeah <laughs> So well, country jam is just well, country jam is going on. If you don't know what country jam is, that's okay. You're not missing much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your podcast. Yeah. So I decided a while ago that I needed to start figuring out how to hone my message and think about how I want to speak to the audience. I'm trying to speak to so I thought maybe a podcast would be a good way to do that and interviewing people and hearing their stories might help me really kind of think about the message I want to send which is around the idea of being able to say yes to living into God's promises 
even when your past maybe makes those promises hard to say, to even believe in that they're real or, or part of something that belongs to you Mm -hmm. as a child of God. So that was sort of the starting point and it's shifting a little bit. Uh, I feel like the more I keep talking to people, the more I think about the need for Christians to be thinking about stories of people with with trauma histories with just hard stories in their past like what that means for them as human beings and so there's some shift in just saying I think we need to just hear these stories because sometimes in the Christian church you get kind of wrapped up in a bubble and maybe you're only around people like you and that's not you know we're both educators and that's not true for us we're around all kinds of people with all kinds of belief systems and I believe that as a Christian we're called to love all of the people and so how do we do that if we don't actually know their stories yeah but I think we all do that like you know I I'm not a practicing Christian anymore and I have my work circle but then I have my own little social circle which is mostly a lot of kind of liberal democrat kind of people and I think it's just as easy to in that bubble to not you know to to label people who are different than you I think we all every group does that so yeah I think it's great I think it's great that we're here talking and yeah so tell what that's kind of a great lead-in for your podcast because it is sort of that same idea of the bubbling and saying how do we get out of that bubble how do you get out and how do we build relationships yep so my podcast is all about civil discourse and that's a topic that I've been really passionate about for decades and just got to the point I think in the ridiculousness of our political society in this country just how ridiculous it is and how divisive it is I just felt like I wanted to do something about it so my podcast is just trying to bring people who are of really different political ideologies together in the same place to show that it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game you can have a conversation with someone who's really different than you and one doesn't walk away a winner and one doesn't walk away a Mm. loser you can both walk away as winners because you've both been enlightened and no one's main mind has to be changed you can just open your mind and that doesn't mean you're losing anything or sacrificing anything. You're just listening to another human being. So that's I, the focus of mine. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I've enjoyed listening to the episodes I've enjoyed that yours you've too. Out, so I've thanks. enjoyed yours too. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <clears throat> so my, my season of 8,000 Promises this first season is really about like how we're launching things that we've learned and, and that we've lived out into the world, which is sort of this podcast idea. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned that a little bit. And you're also in this cool, exciting adventure of a new job coming up. Yeah. So I'd love to have you like tell the listeners a little bit about the things that you've been learning over the last few years and how that's playing out into what you're launching into the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I asked, I I read your questions and one of them was like, what are some of your greatest learning experiences in the last few years? And I'm always learning so much because I just, I don't, I don't like to be static and I don't like to be bored. Sorry, I'm coughing up phlegm from our mountain bike ride. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. what we want you all to come mountain bike with us, so we can have these in-depth conversations yes. on the hill. But then you'll sound like that sometimes. Yeah. and it's then good. you'll sit in our car, and we're both kind of sweaty <laughs> and stinky. So it's great. It's so lovely. <laughs> but I, I, I think you know, as a kid, my I was come from kind of a dysfunctional family and I was always the mediator. I was always trying to get my parents to like each other. I was always trying to get my parents to like my brother. I was always trying to get my brother to like, you know, I was always like bringing people together. So I just kind of grew up 
being a mediator and then had a really fascinating role for about four years as the president of the teachers union in which that was a lot of my job. I was trying to get angry teachers and angry principals to sit down and talk. I was in a negotiation setting where I was trying to get the school board and the district and the association to talk about difficult policy writings or or practices or to talk about budget and how we're going to give as much money as we can to, to educators. And so <clears throat> that was kind of the adult culmination of a lot of a, a lot of skills that I had already honed as a as a child of just bringing people mm-hmm. together and helping people to hear each other. And that and so it's not surprising that I launched into this podcast where I just want people to see that they can talk. You know, mm-hmm. there there are times where there's a definite right and there's a definite wrong and you have to fight for what's right and you can't relent. But most of the things that we're arguing about and being so vitriolic about on social media and even the mainstream media, we don't really need to hate each other over. We don't need to hate each other over what, how other people live their lives or whether they pray before meetings or whether, you know, we can just have differences of opinion. So my, my new role is I will be the, one of the assistant principals at Grand Junction High School. Yeah. Um, just feel like it's Christmas and I got the best Christmas gift ever. I, it's a it's a role I've wanted for a while. It's it's the principal I strongly respect and admire and want to work with her. and the other AP. We love you, team. Megan. We love you, Megan. And Jared and Josh. Yeah, and everybody. <laughs> but they're boys, so not so squishy. So maybe they don't want all the love. Yo, bros. Yeah, bros. Yeah. 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 Even the boys need love. It's yeah, fun. they do. It's a great it's a great administrative treatment. It's a <coughs> great school and it's my alma mater and it's where I met my husband and but I, I see that role as still just bringing people together, you know, whether it's a kid who, for whatever reason, is behaving inappropriately and a teacher who just wants them out of the classroom. OK, well, how can we have the teacher and the, and the student hear each other? Like, what is the basis of this problem? How can we bring them together <clears throat> so that so that we can get a win win for everybody or, or parents who are upset? How can we help the parent understand, you know, what the policies are, what the expectations are? what supports did their does their child need or you know or the community as we're building the new building and talking about you know do we want to spend the money on this do we want to spend the money on that you know how do we get people to work to come together and have critical conversations have difficult conversations but in a way where we can still keep our minds creative and imaginative mm. rather than being so dogmatic because as soon as you get do- dogmatic and you think you're right with a capital R mm. it shuts off creativity and then there's really no conversation and that's where we come to loggerheads. But if you can stay in that fluid space where you can be creative and you can just listen to information and then try to make the best decision possible, that's what I hope to be able to foster. You said so many cool pieces in there. One is that's really just a fun connection that I don't know that we put together, but my husband graduated also from Grand Junction High School. Oh, cool. And then that was the place where I feel like I grew up. Because yeah. I started teaching there at the tender age of 23. And oh, the baby teacher. I was just a little baby teacher there. But that's definitely, I mean, once a tiger, always a tiger. It's always a, a tiger. GJ <sighs> all day. School near and dear to my heart. And I'm really, I told you, I was, I'm just so excited for you to have that opportunity. But the other thing that you're lifting up that I think is important, hopefully for the listeners of, of my podcast to think about, is that a lot of times we think having like a like dysfunction in our past or a trauma history means that all of the skills that we develop from that 
are bad. Mm-hmm. Like they get that. And that's almost right. that same thing as like the capital R, right? It's like that. It's a capital B bad. But actually, sometimes we develop really incredible skills in our survival. Yeah. That once we get into that healthy space where we can feel safe and allow for creativity to happen, man, those skills bring such life and goodness yeah. into an environment. And so I think that is a, it's just a nice reminder that although there are, those skills developed from difficulty, mm-hmm. you're able to use them to create incredible things in the world. But I think, I, the first, I think the first thing you have to do is, is you have to face whatever your trauma was. That, yeah. Which <clears> is hard. That's and, like the hard part. That is the hardest part. And, and then you can sift through like, why do I behave this way? Why do I react that way? Are those good coping skills? Are those bad? Mm. bad and bad's like in quotes, right? Because and maybe... good or bad, it's more of like right. helpful or unhelpful. That's right. what we've tried to change in our family. Yeah. That they that it's a coping skill that's helpful for relationship. Right. Or a coping skill that is not helpful for relationships yep. so that we shift away from good and bad. Yeah. Cause I would say that there are times, there have been times, uh, you know, in my marriage or at work where, because I want everyone to be able to come together and listen to each other, there comes a point where you have to be able to say, this is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes I might take a little bit longer getting to that. Cause I want to make sure everyone's voice is included. So everyone has a voice and maybe we could have come to a decision sooner yeah. without all of that voice input. So it is something that I have to watch, especially now that I'm in a leadership position. Like sometimes you just got to say, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how can you balance that with making sure everyone's heard? Yeah. And that's it, right? It's got to be a balancing. It's like a fine balancing act. And and in my experience, the best leaders are able to know that sometimes they're not going to get it right and have that grace for themselves too. Of like, Oh yeah. I, I did (laughs) maybe get, this going for a little too long but then they're able to adjust the next time and and learn you're gonna do so many good things i'm gonna learn so much yes you are so fun (laughs) and i'm gonna be really grateful it's you learning that not me (laughs) oh i love learning but yeah thank you for taking on that next step because we do need incredible administrators who it's a great staff too so (sighs) i'm really really excited yes yeah yeah awesome cool yeah so when you think about your podcast and all of those pieces and sitting at the table, how do you see all of this kind of coming full circle for you as you are taking on this next adventure? Here's what I really believe. I, you know, I grew up in the LDS church, so I grew up Christian. And in so many ways, the church was the, the family that this the stable family that I needed I mean mm. I, in a lot of ways the church raised me and so even though I'm no longer practicing I don't have any animosity at all towards the Mormon church or Christianity as a whole because it it saved me completely my brother spending the rest of his life in jail if mm. I hadn't had the church I would have made drastically different decisions which I don't know if I would have been in jail but I certainly would not have the happy fulfilled life that I have now so I'm really grateful for those for those years in the church And even though I'm not practicing any of that, it built a foundation for me, a spiritual foundation that helped me know, like your first question is something about fulfilling God's promises for you or what's your... That's the last question is, well... But it's on your teaser of your podcast. Oh, yeah. Like being able to say yes to God's promises. Yeah. Yeah. I think learning how to pray 
at a young age, learning how to, you know, I'd call it meditating now, where in that space where you shut out the rest of the world and you tap into your deepest core self. And how did today go? You know, my goal is always, let's not be an asshole today. So at the Fair. beginning of the day, I start out, let's not be an asshole today. And at the end of the day, I ask myself, okay, how much of an asshole was I, right? That, that's kind of how I start my devotions. <laughs> so I don't know if you can call those devotions or no, not. No, I but... think I just learned a spiritual practice that is self-examination. I just was reading about it, learning about it. And those are basically the questions. <laughs> Maybe different vocabulary. <laughs> different vocabulary choices. But yeah, it's Ruth Haley Barton's Spiritual Rhythm. Oh, I forget the title of the book. But it's like spiritual disciplines and yeah. rhythms of sacred rhythms, I think is what it's called. But I usually do these podcasts sitting at my desk. So I have all these resources know, that I'm like pulling up and looking yeah. at the title right then. But it talks about that exact piece of that question. Where was I in line with God today? Yeah. Where was I not? Right. And ask, and then spe- spending some time, like letting the truth of those answers right. Right. help shift what you're going to do for the next Being day. intellectually and spiritually honest with yourself. That. That's the really hard That's hard, part. yeah. Like there's this whole trauma thing that you have to work on, but then even devoid of the trauma, just being able to be really intellectually, spiritually, emotionally honest with yourself of... Yeah, I did this because I was triggered here. I did this because I I don't really find myself to be competent here or pretty or smart or, you know, whatever it is, right? Or on the flip side too, yeah, I did this. And it's because all these other moments in my life set me up to, to be able to help that person in this moment Mm. there. And, and so I, you know, that's why I think that's why I'm so grateful for the spiritual training that I had from like 12 to about. Uh, 25 I guess is when I really stopped practicing and then there was a little stint when my children were very very young because I didn't have great role models of what parenting was the church was my role model so when we had babies we went started going back to church because we didn't know how to raise kids and mm-hmm. so in both and my husband grew up in LDS too and so we, we went back to the church because we thought well the church will help us figure out how to raise our kids and then it just it just wasn't a good fit for us anymore neither one of us believed in it and then our girls were like we're, you're raising us to be really strong independent minded women and we go to Sunday school or you know primary class children's classes or whatever and we're constantly taught that women's places only in the home and you should just get married and have children and that's really all you should do and mm. they're like these are conflicting messages mom what do you want us to be do you want us to be independent women or do you want us to and I was like well I want you to be both because that's what I am right I'm a mom I'm I'm a wife and yeah. I'm a strong feminist woman but the messages they were getting they didn't feel like were germane to their inner beings so when the kids both said we really don't believe any of this then my husband and I were like yeah we're out too because we haven't believed it either we're just trying to figure out how to have a family we don't Mm. we don't know how to do this without so it was both liberating and to to leave the church but that was it was also hard because it was so foundational for my husband and I oh my gosh this is such a tangent but the the story that I'm trying to tell is because I had that grounding in how to have a spiritual life one of the things I really do believe is that people come into your life at a time when you need them and Mm -hmm. it might be you need them because they're going to really help you and it might be you need them because they're really going to try to tear you down and destroy you and they're there for a for a reason everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and you can choose whether you're going to learn from it 
and move on or whether you're going to stay stuck in that place. And I don't mean to speak derogatorily about people who have been impacted by traumatic experiences and their stuckness because that's really real. That is real, yeah. But you are in control and you can you can choose. You can choose whether you stay stuck. Mm. And you have to get help. That. You have to get a lot of help and you have to get all the supports around you. But you can decide whether you're going to stay there forever mm. or not. And I just never wanted to stay stuck. So when I think of like what God's promises are, what that sentence is that you say in your teaser, mm-hmm. for me, it's that I've, I've always known I could, I, you know, I'm not going to like write some bestseller book or win the Nobel Prize. That's not my interest. But in my little sphere of influence, I want to know that I'm doing good and that I'm helping people. And that's always been my desire is to be that best self. Mm. So maybe what I call my best self is what you call living into God's promises. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. It, but, because that, that would be like that idea of if I'm designed in God's image and I'm designed to be this best self. Yeah. And and God says, like, I promise that I love you. First of all, I love you no matter right. whether you're best self or not. Like, I love you. But also, I love you. And want you to be yeah, full, fully who you are made to be. But I couldn't do that if I was staying in that stuck place. Right. And sometimes it's about, like, just somebody finally seeing that they're in a stuck place. Because sometimes it's an awareness, you know. Right. Sometimes we don't even know we're stuck. Right. And that can be really hard to f- build that awareness. But that's how... I guess that's an interesting piece you brought up of just your experience with seeking the church out to help in in the family development piece because Mm -hmm. I do think that is hard when you don't have certain aspects of family that you you start to see that when you are in the world or you get an education or you're around other families that maybe Mm -hmm. look and function differently and you start thinking wait they're doing it differently and it can be done differently yeah and so then you start to wonder how, but you don't really know. So the church makes sense as a place that you might go right. for that help and support. And yet, in your experience, those messages didn't line up with that inherent belief of how you were designed. Mm-hmm. And so then that makes this huge questioning come up as well. And I guess that was another thing that I wanted to talk about because so often... <coughs> What gets presented to the mainstream media is like a different view of Christianity than how like I experienced Christianity yeah. or my walk with Jesus would not say to me that I have one specific spot that I'm supposed to be because of my gender or, you know, like a label. But that does happen in different sects of the tr- Christian church. And it does happen even, I think, within one church you might have different viewpoints right, on right. that and, and conflicting opinions on that. And so just sitting sitting in that space of thinking about <clears throat> sometimes there are these messages about Christianity that really don't sit well with me. And sometimes I'm thinking, that's not me. Please don't say that's Christianity. Yeah, Please yeah. don't say that that's Jesus yeah. because that's not me. And there's a whole bunch of people that know I love Jesus. And now they're going to think that's me, but it's not me. Right. So I think about looking at like, hey, this is a space to talk about that Christianity isn't all one way or another way. similar to non-Christianity. Right. It's this gamut of human beings who bring different stories. And and if you're in a walk with 
your creator, what does that mean or look like? Is it exactly the same for every person? I don't, that's not been my experience. It, right. It's some, it's like every sunset is different, right? Every, right. Every walk Well, and I'm is always like, I, you know, when, cause I, my closest personal circles <clears throat> are a lot of non-Christians, maybe some spiritual practices, you know, or maybe some kind of amateur Buddhists, you know, but, but when, when the conversation divulges into, oh, well, those Christians, they believe blah, 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 or those Christians, they're doing this or those Christians, it's like, hang on time out. I don't like the people who are picketing, you know, the, the funerals of gay and lesbian people Mm -hmm. or, or doing all of like saying that trans people should be executed. I mean, there was some pastor here in our valley who over the pulpit said that trans people need to be executed. I, I just think, that. I don't, those aren't the Christians that I hang out with. And those aren't the, I don't think those are Christians. Right. I, and it's we talked, hard. Yeah. We were talking about that on the, on the right. trail. Yeah. It's hard to, when you think about what Jesus speaks and teaches about love, I, I was telling you, I have this, like, I want to say that this whole idea of hate the sin but love the sinner or hate the sin but not the sinner is really I actually feel offended by that yeah. because I think first of all we just have all these lumps of like what sin is or isn't mm-hmm. some things are labeled within scripture as sin that we actually celebrate sometimes within our culture like greed yeah <laughs> I mean and yet you don't hear people talking about hate the hate the sin of greed but love you know the person who has the mansion on the hill right like that's not the expression it's it's often around sometimes people's identities like homosexual identity or like a transgender person's identity and how do you how do you sit across from someone and then say well actually what jesus said is love yeah god love your neighbor love yourself Love, love your enemy. Yeah. Zero hate. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. There's no hate, no hate yeah. of anything. And we were talking about just like, if sin is really about separation from God, then it, that is each person's personal walk with God that they're going to be in that space working that out. That's not my job. Right. To be deciding this, this, this. Right. Around a, another person's life. And I just am supposed to love, like, I'm pretty sure. And I have a full-time job job just making sure I'm not being an asshole. (laughs) I don't have time to figure out if someone else is a sinner or not, or if they're being an asshole, that's on them. (laughs) It's a full-time job for me to just manage myself, right? Well, and Jesus also said that, hey, quit trying to get the little speck out of somebody else's eye. Get when you have a log. And we were talking about, like, I don't know a person who doesn't have a log. And we all walk around with these big old logs (laughs) sticking out of our eyeballs, right? Which is kind of a funny image, but. Yeah. uh, But true. And so I guess that that's just hard when there is a lot of hate being preached in the name of Jesus and it doesn't line up with. Right. Anything I've learned. Right. About Jesus. Or anything that I, you know, and so I, I usually am like the person who's like, now hang on. That's not how, that's not Christianity. Well, and that's, and so that's what I really want to, that's what, that was one of the reasons for my podcast was just to be able to bring people together and say, your, your walk with God is your walk with God. My walk with God or universe or nothingness, whatever it is, right, is, is my walk. And as long as you're not 
infringing upon my civil rights, trying to create policies that restrict my civil rights, judging me. I think that's one of the things that mm. that a lot of people who dislike Christians or are, you know, say bad things about Christians, it's because they feel like they're being judged, like they're not good enough because they haven't been saved or mm. they're not good enough because they don't do X, Y, Z. Which is so judgy. But yeah, and that that's the whole scripture, right? <laughs> well, both of Judge it. Judge not I mean, like, that you be not judged. I know. It's that's all the scripture. Like, it, I mean, I think that's the challenge for all human beings. Is that exactly. Both ways. All right. Both ways. Yeah. Like, oh, I judge. Or we all do it. We all judge. But that feeling of being judged doesn't feel good to anybody. And so right. to remember that if your call is to love, which... That's what Jesus said the call is of the Christian love yeah. and then tell people about Jesus. Like love, 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 tell people about me. Yep. And I'm love. Yep. That's what I am, you know? Yep. And so then you think there's zero judge in that. Yeah. Man, we all mess that up. I think what? on both sides, like non Christians and Christians, we all mess up that judging. And I think Christians, I've heard a lot of my Christians' friends talk about how they feel judged. Oh, yeah. Like, all the time. Like, I'm terrified. a little bit about that. I th- it was funny because one of the things, like, what would you want people to know? I was thinking, like, sometimes I get nervous to talk about being a Christian because I don't want to hear about these other things that I am being labeled as because I have a relationship with Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so that, I think it's just hard and especially maybe in the setting like a secular setting like we have it in education we just don't know like Mm -hmm. there I know there are believers I know there are non-believers and I also like it's part of who I am and I'm not I don't want to push it on somebody that's important to me because I don't I also don't believe there's force I think force is another non-Jesus right piece you know so having that piece of like where I want to talk about what's important to me and and my faith is part of that, mm-hmm. but I get really nervous that if I do, somebody is going to interpret that as judgment or as right. some of these other messages that yeah. come out. So sometimes it feels kind of scary, even when I'm like talking about, oh, I have this podcast. Yeah, it's faith-based. <clears> and <throat> oh my gosh, it's kind of hard and scary in some settings to, to admit that, to admit it, which... Is like that's and hard. so dumb because it just right. stops conversation, right? Judgment stops that's it. As, soon, as soon as people don't feel safe to speak, then the yeah. speech stops. And then you know, like I was really intrigued the first time you said you're you had this podcast. Of course, I was like, "What's your podcast about?" And, and then I'm you're like, like uh. "No." And then you told me, and I was like, "That's cool." I mean, you have your you have your faith and your beliefs and your messaging. And it's for an audience that you hope is listening and you hope maybe that it, that audience is a little bit bigger, but it's not like you're out trying to convert people. You're just trying to say, I mean, it's what we just said, right? You call it God's promises for your life. I might call it living your best self. Does that mean just because I'm a non-Christian, I, I shouldn't listen to your podcast because you might be trying to convert me? No, it's like there's okay. stuff I can learn. There's stuff I've, I can experience and there's stuff that I can relate. And it's just that code switching. Like what's yeah. what's the language here and what does the language translate into in my own experience? Yeah. We're, st- we're talking about the same stuff. You're trying to be the best person you can be. I'm trying to be the best person I can be. Yeah. And I th- maybe some of that plays into also when we talk about some of those other messages that have come out or some of the teachings about, hey, this is a per- like a person's role. I was thinking about that when you were talking about that idea, oh, a woman should be in the home. And we had a point in our lives where I felt like that was where I needed to focus 
but I was almost embarrassed and ashamed to even talk about that too, because Mm -hmm. there was this other side that was like, women can do anything and everything. And when what was coming up was like, I actually can't right now. Yeah. Right. She can't do everything right now. Right. And that was a walk with God for me to be okay with this part of my life being what I could focus on right now and, and coming to embrace that and, and love that. And also once there was some good healing that had happened, oh, I can take on more now. Right. Which was a really, that was a powerful journey, but it was hard in the moment because I didn't want to feel like I was, oh, saying a woman should only be at home or a woman can do everything because in the end it landed in the middle, which is something you talk a lot about. And that's the dichotomy too, right? Like you, you have now the, I think the Mormon church has tempered a lot. You know, I've kind of been watching things over the last 10, 15 years. And I don't know that the, I think it's a lot more open, but certainly when I was growing up, the messages were the most important thing. Actually on my wedding day, on my wedding day at the altar and the officiator says and you sister o'brien you have one responsibility motherhood and and that was the message and i was like well actually i have a whole lot of responsibilities (laughs) you know right so i think at the time i was growing up the messages were very much women should which should stay in the home i I think I, i have a lot of mormon friends who are also career women but but it's the it's again a dichotomy it's the it's the feminist shame, right? You yeah. can be a feminist. Right. And God's a feminist. I, I think Jesus is like the first feminist. When you when you start digging in and looking at who he was talking to and hanging out hanging with out and with, who yeah. was funding his ministry, yeah. it was the ladies yeah. because we are awesome. Yeah. And so I think that, but that is what's hard about right. the history of the church and religion. Well, and right? it's hard. It's hard anytime you want to think it's a zero sum game. If this mm. per, if this side wins and this side loses, right? If I go to work, then I'm no longer a feminist. If I stay at home, or no, if I go to work, then I'm no longer a good mother. Right. That, oh. Right. If I go to work, I'm no longer a good mother. Or if I'm a feminist and I stay have kids, then I'm not a good feminist. Right. Yeah. That's stupid. Stupid. That's stupid. I'm with you. That can't be. You, you, we have to. We have to stop that. Baloney. We do. We do have to stop that because. When I think about my life and what I want my legacy to be, Mm. I want my two children to be the very best friends. And when I'm dead and gone, they are taking care of themselves and they know they are loved Uh. and they love each other. That is the most important mission of my entire life. Yeah. And when I say that to some of my feminist friends, I see their eyebrows go up and I'm like, no, there is nothing more important to me on this planet. And I love my husband dearly. Yeah. But I'm good. Uh, those children, when you bear children, when you eat to, to make milk to feed these babies, when, when your whole body and life gives birth to something, that those children, those are the most important people in my life. Mm. And yes, I'm a card-carrying feminist. And is that maybe part of feminism that we lost somewhere along I the way. I think so. I, that I think there so. Is a, like, this is a zero-sum game. There's this beauty in the mother. Yeah. There is a gift in the mother to the world. Right. I mean, Mother Earth, right? Even just right. that thought of the mother right. being such a blessing. Yep. Such a wonderful treasure. And we, in some 
way of feminism have come to this place of not honoring that right instead of embracing the beauty of that yeah. role and to say embracing that is actually just as feminist yeah as embracing that a woman can have a job and or play a sport i love abby wambach and she's yeah. like <laughs> talking yesterday about title nine and just this world that's been created yeah. for us that yeah. is in, empowering and beautiful and how do we get to do both we can be right all of it and maybe not all at the same time that's what I had to learn right. is that maybe I had to do it at different times right. but I'm with you and I didn't get to have the physical birthing of my children or creating of their bodies but in that same moment of them being placed in my arms the and love is the same that that commitment yeah. to them I, I cannot imagine anything more important I'm with you yeah. that they would know how fully loved they are and that they would know how to love yep like those two things yep. that they would always be loved well and that they would know how to love well. Yep. So it's not like I want to say the feminist movement did anything wrong. No. It was a natural progression of things, but, but I do think, and I don't think that every woman has to be a mother. My, neither no, one of my I children, also agree with that. My, neither one of my children are interested in being a mother right now. Yeah. That, that that's fine. That, I, that's I their choice. That's their walk. Yes. And I think that is the, the piece of, being a human being is that you don't have to be no. something. And I think that maybe is also part of where the feminist movement like was coming from. We, we were being, women were being pegged. You have right. like, you only get this one role. There is a difficulty in the, just that being pegged that you're only allowed to do one, one thing. thing. Yeah. And it can go with that other, I think it's that pendulum. And I had that in my own story, just working through of like, I kind of lived a lot of life. Like everything was rosy and beautiful and good. It was because I wasn't willing to acknowledge or face the hard stuff. Yeah. So then once that all got broken open, then I like the pendulum swung to the other side <laughs> and there I was. Everything was crap. Ah, I had the worst. <laughs> da, 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 da. And I was angry. Well, and what's happening is it's swinging back to the middle. That's yeah. the balance. There were really incredible things about my childhood. There were really hard things about my childhood. Yeah. But none of it was all this or all that. It was... Okay, I'm back in the middle. And, and it's I'm sort of that. I'm starting to think of life as more of the spiral staircase kind of thing, yes. too. Because I, you can see just about every decade, decade and a half, you kind of come back to this place mm. where you're like, huh, yep, haven't quite resolved this little bit here or haven't quite figured out how to be a better, be less assholey about <laughs> this here. So guess what? Here it is back in my face again. Let's see how I do it this time. And then you, and then you swing up and out. And it's really like this spiral. These, mm. these stories keep repeating themselves in my life. I'm finding. Yeah. And, and people that I, at one time in my life, absolutely loathed, hated and despised, you know, 10 years later, I'm in a work situation where I have to work with them daily. And so now what am I going to do? Okay, well, let's see if I can do this differently this time or situations come back they're they they reveal themselves differently but you're still kind of working on the same life skill and yeah so i i've stopped i've stopped thinking about that pendulum and and thought about this kind of a spiral mm. thing because you, you, know, you come back to the same sh stuff all the yeah. time that you're trying to get better at or do differently or understand differently i've talked about that spiral with both my pastor and my counselor, uh, specifically with grief and with, with just the 
that work around forgiveness. I think both of those two things have been where I've really experienced the spiraling. And some of it has been, like you're talking about where I have to work through it again. And some of it has been about going deeper into the healing, which I guess is both. They're kind of the same thing, but those two pieces. But I think I'm wondering if I had to have only because of my personality. I don't think everybody starts on one side or the other. But I think my personality, I just Mm -hmm. had like cut off all the negative type emotions like yeah. everything was joyful so i was i was set in a place where i couldn't jump into a spiral right, right? like right I was, oh that's a good that's a good do you know what i mean and yeah. then so then but then because it like all got blown up right then i then it went over to this other spot but yeah. then once i've come into the middle then i can be in that spiral yeah. and, and see it a little bit but i don't think every personality yeah, maybe. maybe has because some personalities are much more adept at feeling all the feelings right from the beginning yeah, but you can also feel too many feelings and never get anywhere, right? You can be just <laughs> totally. as paralyzed by those. Absolutely. But, yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. will you just answer the one last question for me that I ask all of my guests this season? What is a promise that you hold on to for yourself and that you hope to share with the people who encounter and embrace your work? And maybe it's for your kids. Maybe it's that promise. <laughs> for them uh, that you hold on to. I don't know. Well, now, you know, my, now my kids are adults. And so yeah. their journey is now their own. It's mm. a, it's a weird shift when you go from I being bet. president of their world to co-consultant oh. to just adjunct <laughs> consultant. It's a, it's a weird trip, right? There's a lot of letting go. And my kids are on their own, own journeys. And I have such faith in both of them they're remarkable human beings I love that. so so they're in charge of their own journeys and I still have a lot of life to live so so yeah what is the rest of my life about you know I for for me living living from that place of integrity in my soul is is my critical mission and so I think that's why I get upset if if I feel like someone from any other religion or denomination is judging me like Mm. I'm not good enough because I I don't say that you know Allah is my God or Jesus is my God or whatever it's like hang on you're not with me every day as Mm. I sit in meditation and think through what am I supposed to be doing with this precious time that I have in this life Mm. and how can I do good for myself and do good for the small circle of influence that I have so how dare you say that I'm not I'm not religious, but I'm deeply spiritual. Mm. I'm just not guided by one dogma. I, I like to call myself a freelance polytheist. <laughs> <laughs> like because that. there are truths in all of the world's religions that I can take from. And there's bullcrap in all of the world's religions, too, that I, that I can ignore. Um, but I, but I, use, I use that those archetypes that humans have always tapped into in religiosity to, to, to figure out what what it you know what am I supposed to be doing with my time and the older you get the more you realize I've got fewer years ahead of me than behind me and you know you get you start getting to a place where your friends start dying I buried a couple of friends last summer and it was really transformational for me because it was like wow you you really have no guarantees how much longer you have on this planet so what am I doing with this time and what kind of person what kind of human being am I and wow, this is tangential. What was your question? What What is that promise then? That you... Well, I think it's just constant, consistently, daily 
am I am I being my best self? Mm. Am I staying open? Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with my fellow humans? Am I listening and acknowledging the person who's in front of me mm. and their story and their pain? Yeah. I can only do that work if I'm really trying to tap into my best self too. Because yes. if I'm in my asshole mode, that's when I make all my bad decisions. <laughs> and those us, bad decisions yeah. have repercussions on everyone around me. Yeah. Right? So, and there are those days, obviously. But yeah. so if I can just live every day trying to be the best human becoming I can be. Yeah. That's it. It's lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you again to Heather for joining me on the podcast to share her story and her gift for civil discourse that is changing lives one authentic conversation at a time. You can find Heather at her podcast, Us or Bust. That's U period S period or Bust, B-U-S-T. You can find those links in the show notes. I also want to say thank you to my family for supporting my dreams and letting me spend time in this work instead of cleaning out the minivan before our road trip this weekend. 8,000 Promises is an original podcast produced and published by me, A.D. Tilford. If you feel so led, please give the podcast a rating and recommend it to a friend. Maybe even hit the subscribe button. You can find me on Instagram at A.D. Tilford Writes, Facebook at A.D. Tilford Author, and at my website, adtilford.com. You can even subscribe now for monthly updates for the blog, the pod, and fun tips for saying yes to God's promises for your life. May great things happen for you today. See you next time.